Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning humbly, asking that you manifest your presence here with us today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We ask that you take over this setting. We expel all demonic influence and authority and power from this place. We thank you, Lord, that you assign angels to encamp round about us to keep us safe, to help your children to hear your word clearly, to let it take root into good ground and bear fruit in their lives. And Lord, I just ask that you help me to speak your word clearly and boldly. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, that you have labored with this message with me even in tears. And I just feel inadequate totally and wholly, Lord. But thank you for using me. I'm just a vessel. Let it be only you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'd like to speak uh, blessings and welcome and thanks to everyone that is not only here at Grace and Truth Church, the greatest little church in the world, but also uh, I, from time to time, I or I, a lot, I forget that um, there are way more uh, people that hear these messages uh, apart from uh, this setting. And so I want to say hello to you and let you know that you're always being prayed for and uh, considered a part of this body and of the body of Christ at large. And uh, in this last short period, uh, not only those listeners in Cyprus, but in Texas City, where my wife and I come from, uh, I see a lot of uh, listening in Bozeman, Montana, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, even other countries, Vietnam, the United Kingdom, Taiwan, Kenya, South Africa, Honduras, and uh, the list goes on. I just want to let you know, everyone who hears this message now or in the future at any point, we love you, praying for you, and uh, God's will be done in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. This country, this church, which this church is just a small portion of the body of Christ Jesus, but the body of Christ at large is on the verge of great revival. It has been brewing for some 60 years, and we are right here at the precipice. I have been preaching for over a decade that the end times church, and now the church is made up of lots of different members and they don't all have the same function, the same gifts, but the end time church that I knew that I would be a part of is the one that is very different, looks very different than what you see in the nod to God Sunday crowd that fills most of the church buildings if they are attending now because of the COVID and so forth. Nothing against anyone, but I believe that there is a spirit of deception and blindness covering 
the eyes and the hearts of even believers. And it's going to start coming off. This end times church is going to be those who have a true, vibrant, sincere, supernatural, personal relationship with Christ Jesus. And they're going to be adorned with all of the gifts of the Spirit, walking in victory and power and love and manifesting the supernatural in their lives and ministries. The spirit of prophecy is coming upon the church. Peter told us, do not despise prophecies. And I know right now that people are questioning and looking at all the prophecies. And there are not everyone that claims to be a prophet is a prophet. We need to understand that. <laughs> in every church, in, in every town, in every city, there are, there, are, there are wheat and there are tares planted amongst them. Okay? And you can read about what Jesus has to say about that. It's okay. We're supposed to weigh everything out. We're supposed to judge all prophecy. Amen? Prophecy is like eating fish. You eat the flesh and you spit out the bones. Even prophets are questioning prophets right now. Okay? But trust me, God is not confused. God has not failed at anything. And God is not worrying, white-knuckled on the banisters of the stairwell of heaven. He is laughing at those who would laugh at him. The second great awakening, what it's commonly known as, was a great revival from the 1790s into the 1840s. Charles Finney was a preacher that was used mightily of God for a great portion of that revival. A couple of things that he said, I like quotes from great men. It makes me, it gives me an insight to what they were all about. He said, no government is lawful or innocent that does not recognize the moral law as the only universal law. And God, as the supreme lawgiver and judge, to whom nations in their national capacity, as well as individuals, are amenable. We've been learning about the grace of God. I believe one of the biggest errors and confusions in the body of Christ is the lack of understanding of the grace of God. And so, if I look back, and if you look back on the messages from the last year, you can see a path that God has taken us on, and it would, it would, it would blow your mind in the Spirit. It is beautiful. Everything that everyone is talking about and preaching now, I've already been preaching for the last several years. If, even if no one were listening. <laughs> but God is trying to prepare to disciple his children. The thing is, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's right. And that's always been God's problem, as it were, with his children. When he decided to plant his best seed, his only son, to get a family, he knew it was going to cause him hardship and pain. But he did it anyway. And he's looking for a family that will choose him for him. Charles Finney also said, A state of mind that sees God in everything is evidence of growth in grace 
and a thankful heart. And that's what we need. We need to magnify the Lord and it will minimize all of our situations and circumstances and problems. Amen. Amen. We have a culture and government and media and educational system that is so deceived. And I trust me, I don't mean to disparage anyone. God bless them all. I pray for everyone, all the people that think that they are my enemy because uh, we have a, a opposing viewpoints on different things in this life. Do you know I love them, each and every one, and I pray for them? Which I can, I doubt I can say that in, in, about them for me. But it doesn't matter. When God freed me from me, He freed me from them. I, in other words, they can't steal my joy because they're not the source of my joy. And once I was blind too, but now I see. And now that I see, I can't pretend again to agree with the darkness. With the deception. And I'm not going to go back to being blind once I've seen the beautiful light of God's love. Amen. Amen. God will protect His children. Just as you would. Amen. Amen. Only multitudes of times over. He loves your children way more than you do. If you can imagine that. It's true. And that's how you need to see Him loving you. Some people don't understand the love of the Father because they never knew the love of the Father. I'm one of those. But I do understand now by revelation and I'm thankful. Amen. Amen. He's going to protect His children and He's going to protect the nation that He birthed. We need to be afraid of those who are mocking God. People are openly mocking God. We need to pray for them. That they not be allowed to go to hell not having heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and His offer of grace and forgiveness and acceptance to the entire universe. And we need to pray that they don't stay deceived And reject Jesus and cause others to miss Jesus as well. Amen. Amen. God is quickening the moral conscience of His people. It's a great time to be an all-in, dedicated lover of Jesus in the kingdom of God. It might get worse for a season. But the church has always thrived in times of greatest persecution. Jesus made lots of statements regarding the times that we live in now. He said that all men will hate you on account of me. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. That shows the importance of not wavering, not faltering, not allowing the enemy To get in and move you in any capacity to try and fit in. Jesus was 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He was tired. He was alone. He was hungry. And then the devil came to tempt him. You see, these are our weak points. When we just get tired and we lose hope. And we just... 
want to throw our hands up, that's when the enemy comes. And we need to take lessons from Jesus. Because all that the enemy offered Jesus were things that God had already promised him. It just wasn't in God's time and in God's way. He came to him with the microwave mentality. You can have it now. You want fries with that? (laughs) Not everyone is going to be accepted, he said. But those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. The will of the Father in heaven is to believe on the one he sent. And to believe on the one he sent is to abide in his word. And then the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ezekiel 34 is where I thought I was just going to mention on. And I wouldn't have to say anything about anyone else except for the preachers. Ezekiel 34 is a passage of scripture that has been on my heart for many, many years. God showed me this a long time ago. And he was speaking against preachers. He said... In Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. When you say Israel, you can say the church now. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. All the wild beasts are demonic forces. He's talking about feeding children, the, the, the sheep, the food, the manna from heaven, the word of God. Everything in the Old Testament is in type and shadow of what has been revealed in the New Covenant. And what he's saying here is these shepherds had not discipled these people in the word of God. It's what he's saying now. And they had been feeding themselves. And the weak you didn't have not strengthened. Where does our strength come from? The Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The sick you have not healed. That's physical healing. That's one part of our inheritance as children of God. The injured you have not bound up. That's inner healing. Forgiveness and bitterness. That's chirals. And the injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. That's evangelism. These are all of the ministry gifts that we are supposed to be facilitating within the church. Jesus took it up in Luke chapter 4. And he passed it on to us, the church, when he left. And nothing has changed or will change. 
God has not evolved or changed his mind and he's not going to change until this church age is over when Jesus returns for us. Amen. Amen. So we have to fight. We're called to war. But not with bullets. Anyone who calls for mob mentality, I don't care which side of the aisle they're on, I'm against them. That is not what this country is about. We're past that. It's way too far for that. And that's not what needs to be being taught and preached and and, uh, the rhetoric that needs to be coming from the pulpit. The help that this nation needs comes from the church, folks, not from Washington, D.C. And that's where the breakdown has been, right here in the pulpit. We don't war against flesh and blood. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 6.12. Right there where I've been teaching for several weeks, I taught about the armor of God. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the devil and all of his powers and principalities. And we talk about the organized kingdom that he has structured. And their one mission is to keep you from ever claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And once you do, then they go into plan B, which is to stop you from ever serving him or growing in the grace and knowledge of him. Amen. We're going to fight, though, and this revival is going to bring new life and light and liberty to Christians all over the world. And we're going to be above only and not beneath, just like the word says. We won't fight against flesh and blood. We won't fight in a carnal manner. We're going to fight in the spirit. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus Paul talks about how Jesus broke down the dividing wall of hostilities. He made, he, made, he made available, he made one new man out of the two, talking about Israel and the Gentiles or unbelievers at the time. And if he broke down that wall and he called for unity on the night of his betrayal, Jesus is going to get his prayer answered. There will be unity within the body of Christ. He's coming back for a bride, not a harem. All the divisions in the body of Christ are the divisions of man and not of Jesus Christ. That's why unless the Holy Spirit is running a church and not a demon board somewhere, then there's no sense in even being there. Instead of your tithe, go use that money for a membership at a, at a country club. It'll be more fun. And you'll get the same thing out of it. If you want God, you need the Holy Ghost. If you want God, you need to be discipled in the Word of God. In the love of God. We're not going to fight a race war. We love all men. We're not going to fight a gender war. We love everybody. We're not going to fight 
about generational bitterness or economic bitterness, but we will fight for the unity from the Spirit and the bond of peace by which God binds us together and makes the church His body, the bright, beautiful light of His irresistible and encompassing love and light and life. The pulpit is responsible for this. And when the power of God is ignited within the church and the Holy Spirit is loosed to have His way in His church, then ministers will begin to preach with power the goodness and grace and peace and purity and presence of God, the prosperity of God, the love of God, helping souls to be restored in their vertical relationship between them and God so that they can get it right on the horizontal plane with their fellow man and other souls in this life. Amen. Amen. We are on the precipice of a new great awakening. This revival calling people back to repentance and trust in God in the King of Kings, in the Lord of Lords. The pulpit, like I said, is responsible for allowing Satan to rule in the lives of God's creation. Allowing Satan to rule in our government, in our media, in the educational system, influencing the breakdown of the family and the cancel culture of this age, which is fully demonic. Don't fool yourselves, folks. We will win this fight with ballots, not bullets. Once the corruption is dealt with, because God will shine light on the corruption over the coming weeks and months. The problem is, He has to have a people who love justice and truth. And who will come alongside Him and work together with Him to hold people accountable. I don't care what they represent, what side of anything they represent. Truth is the truth. And the truth is what will set people free. Otherwise, we will lose our freedom to live and to serve the living God in a free society. George Washington said the Constitution, this is the Constitution of the United States and the keepers of it are the people only. But the people have to care. If the church would agree with God, this nation would be fixed overnight. Literally. The hope for our nation comes from the church. Not from Washington, right? Yes, right. Not from the media. Right. Not from some super uh, model or entertainer or uh, sports personality. Yeah. How in the world did we ever get so far? It's been coming for a long time. It's been the plan of Satan. Like I said... This is a 60-year plan that's just coming to fruition. Been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. 
So it's not going to be fixed overnight. Because so much nonsense has been instilled in the minds and hearts of good, decent people. But do you know that this Bible teaches responsibility, personal responsibility and accountability all the way through? This counterculture of hatred for the things of God is demonic. And while it looks great and moral and offers things, free things, it will really only lead to death and more moral decay. Anytime, here's your litmus test. The enemy comes as an angel of what? Light. He doesn't come in a red cape and horns and all that. It would be good if he did. Then we would really know whose side people were on because they would be making a willing choice. But he comes, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. That's his name. That's what the name Satan means in the New Covenant. Deceiver. Slanderer. He's the accuser of the brethren. But he comes in the form of something good. That's his motive. That's his, that's his motive. That's his, that's his way of doing things. But anytime people are offering you things that are morally Right and good, apart from the morality of Jesus Christ and without giving glory to God and excluding God and excluding Jesus from it, then there's no grace in that and there's no real morality. It's something that's covered over that's really evil underneath. When a government is so big and so corrupt, evil is emboldened and it becomes almost impossible to hold anyone accountable. But God. Say, but God. (laughs) Nothing is impossible with God. He can and He will. He's going to shine light in the darkness. But He needs help. We are the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus in this earth. When he left, he gave us all authority over the works of the devil. Not over the devil himself. You can't kick him out of the earth. He's entitled to be here and to wreak his havoc for a time. But he has no claim on you if you're children of God. And you are created in the image of your Father in heaven who created everything you know and see with his words. And you have that same creative power. You have that same authority as believers in Jesus Christ to speak to your mountains and command them to be removed and cast into the sea. I don't care what kind of mountain it is that stands before you, whether it's physical or financial or relational or emotional. You can command it to leave and it will do so. My wife came home from work a few days ago and she was having an anxiety attack so bad that most people would have... She When this happened to her from time to time, last time it really happened, it was some years ago. But she was just laid out on the floor basically in a ball. And I 
she she reaches out her hand to me like this when she wants to pray. And we and I began to rebuke that same you see you need a willing you need a willing person. God will go off of the faith of someone's friends and loved ones when they don't have faith to to help. He proved that when his friends lowered the man down through the roof on the they dug a hole in the roof and Jesus honored their faith. But it's better if you can get someone to agree with you. That's why I have to talk to people before I pray for them. I need to know where they're at. Sometimes they're in in reverse. I have to at least get them in neutral before I can pull them forward. Amen. Amen. But I know Tavana has faith. And we rebuked that thing in the name of Jesus and it left her. This is the authority that we have as children of God. You have raising from the dead power living on this inside of you. Oh no, I don't really. When's the last time you tried? At a conference not long ago up in the Woodland Park, Todd White was up there, one of the guest speakers ministering, and they brought a little baby up to the to the front who was dead. It wasn't dead when it left. Amen. They just kept going. When the disciples came back to Jesus and they said, God, even the demons are listening to us. He went, wow. No, he didn't. He said, so, basically. No, it's not a big deal. You should rejoice more that your names are written in the book of life. In other words, that's nothing. That's nothing. When he calmed the waters from the raging storm, they were like, wow. And he said, that's your unbelief. Because they had been with him the day before. He said, just because you didn't pay attention to the loaves. And they said, oh, he's mad. We didn't bring any bread. He's saying, no, yesterday you were there when I took a boy's sack lunch and fed 5,000 people. If you were there and saw that, were you freaked out about that I can calm the raging sea? I created them all. And I give you this authority. Second Chronicles 20, verse 15, Jehoshaphat was up against an insurmountable uh, insurmountable odds. He was in a he had to fight a big battle and he couldn't win. He wasn't going to win because anybody could do the math. You know what I'm saying? But he found out that God would fight the battle for his people. This is a theme throughout the Bible, amen. But he still had to go out to the battlefield. He still had to go with God. And then he commanded his men to sing and praise God. And God started doing the killing. He even had the other armies kill them, each other. Did the same thing for Gideon. He kept sending people home till Gideon... Had so few with him that he couldn't take the glory for it. Amen? Amen. And God will do the same for us. 
I love Judges chapter 5. I'm not going there, don't worry. (laughs) You ladies probably know about Deborah. I want to meet Deborah someday. She was a great woman of God in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 5, she had a big, big battle to fight too. It was really Barak's battle to fight, but he wouldn't go. He was scared. Deborah was a judge of all of Israel, a prophetess, and a wife. And she, Barak said, I'm not going. He said, well, I'm not, if you'll go with me, I'm not going unless you'll go with me, he told this woman who was the judge of Israel. She She was really not pleased with that coward. But she said, all right, but if I go, if I go, you're not getting any of the credit. (laughs) It's going to a woman. Praise God. If that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be. If the man won't do it, God will use a woman. If none of us will do it, the rocks will cry out. Amen. Amen. But I love in the fifth chapter of Judges, it's the song of Deborah. Talking about this. And she asked some questions of all the other people. The other men who didn't show up for the fight. She said, why did so many of you stay in your sheep pens? The church. Why did you hide in the church? Why did so many of you stay with your ships? They were businessmen. They were merchants. They were hiding behind their jobs and their careers for the reason they couldn't do anything for God. Too busy providing. I'm doing good. I'm providing for my family. I got too much going on. I just Sunday's the only day I got to rest, man. She asked, "How many? Of, why did so many of you stay beyond the Jordan?" Where it was safe and comfort. You see? Oh, how comfortable we are nowadays. I think about when I was just a little kid. And I remember my... The man who eventually became my stepdad. He, being raised in the Depression on the farm. And then how much better we had it. But still, looking back in the 60s and 70s, it was... And we were very poor. It was just me and mama most of the time. But man, do we have it good now. I remember one of the first things us young men had to do was learn how to sew a button. Now if you lose a button on a shirt, what do you do? Throw it away. And it even comes with a couple extra buttons. How come so many of you stayed in the coves, in the caves, hiding? Can I read a prophecy or part of it to you? 
told you that this has been coming for 60 years. In 1963, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's a beloved man of God, no one doubts that. He was anointed and appointed, and he did great and mighty things. And his humble career and his greatest achievement was his love walk, his own children say. But here's the prophecy given to him in 1963. Yea, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I went, as it were, up into the air and stood with the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. And as I looked down upon the ground, I could see as a map laid out before me the entire nation. All of the states of the continental United States. And as I looked, he said, Behold, son, and I shall show you that which shall come to pass, and that which the eyes of many shall see. And they shall remember that their ears heard that it shall come to pass. For there came a dark hand up out of the ocean from the east, even from the Atlantic Ocean. It came up out of the sea as a hand, and it, as it rose up into the air, it came... It became a dark cloud and it filled the whole atmosphere. Yea, and it swept in like a storm at sea. And I said, O Lord, O Lord, O Lord, what's the meaning of this? And he spake unto me and said, Son, that is the darkness of atheistic communism that is sweeping across the nation. Even in the minds of men in high places and politicians with great power. And this nation shall not grow more strong and you shall not have more liberty than you have now. But liberties that you've known and you've seen shall be seized and taken from you. And I looked again and I could see upon the mountain of Blotch. And I thought a bottle of ink had been spilled and spread over several states in the south and the east. And then I looked and I could see spots splotched all over the map. And I could said, Lord, what meaneth this? And he said, communistic inspired hatred among races shall cause greater turmoil than your nation has seen heretofore. Yea, it is not the will of God, but men's hearts are perverse and they walk without the love of God and seek to have their own way. And so it shall be worse than you have seen. And I said, O Lord, O Lord, is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? What shall the answer be? And then I said, O Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, and evil? And he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And he said, Son of man, forget not your text, for the look, for you look at the things not seen. And so then I looked into the spirit realm and I saw falling upon the mountain a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. And then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and it fell upon men. And I saw an army of men rise up and it seemed as though their hands were fire and there set upon their heads a tongue of fire. And I said, what meaneth this? And he said, Before the worst shall come and the day of darkness encompasses, there will be those who shall go and sh who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire, not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places, for there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord shall come. Now prepare ye your hearts for the time is at hand. And the beginning is now, and you shall see, 
And you shall see and you shall know for the hand of the Lord is upon you and many of you shall be used in these last days and the work shall progress. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus for the word of the Lord came unto me saying the prophetic vision shall be restored unto the church for even in the days of old the prophet would see by vision and prophecy and so the prophetic vision shall be restored unto the church. And this is the time and this is the hour and this is the place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to fight for our inheritance. Totalitarianism government will take away your freedom even to serve God the way you choose. There's no other way that socialism, which is the stepping stone for communism, has ever worked. That's the playbook. They have to get rid of the church because there can't be any other God besides the government. And it's the truth that sets people free. That's why they tried to squelch to put down voices within the church. We have to take up the armor of God. God has given us His own armor to fight the good fight of faith, in prayer, in power. God's armor emboldens and protects us and strengthens us and exposes the darkness, but you have to put it on. Satan is the deceiver, a liar. He wants you to disengage. That's his, that's his goal. If he can just get you tired, get you weak, get you feeling hopeless, get you confused, he'll get you to just disengage because the church is the only thing that can drive him out. The truth will set you free, but it might be uncomfortable for a time. You can't disengage, though. The biggest deception the enemy has ever perpetrated on the people is that he doesn't exist. That's what he wants you to think. Ezekiel 37. And then I'm done. This was a prophecy given to Ezekiel. Has not come to pass. And I believe that's what this prophecy of Kenneth Hagin and so many others. And the message that you heard today. Is referring to. Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is the church. When you think that God has been unfaithful, that God hasn't kept His word, that God can't do anything, that it's too late, I want you to refer to John chapter 11. And remember, Jesus' friend Lazarus, he was sick and dying. People were sent to where Jesus was a few days away. And they told him, he's sick. Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. And Jesus decided to take a few days off. People didn't understand. Why aren't you going? He went there after Lazarus was already in the grave for four days. They lost hope. They were broken hearted. They thought that Jesus had not come through for them. Only if you'd been here. You could have stopped this from happening. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth out of the tomb. He told them to roll away the stone, and they did. And then he came forth out of the tomb. Still in his burial clothes. God wasn't unfaithful. He just did it his way in his time. God is always faithful. Father, thank you for this day and for this precious word. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy and peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for revival in the church, for power and victory, the anointing, for the spirit of prophecy and of peace and of love and of joy to overwhelm us and to guide us and lead us unto the work that you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.